welcome to Books, Broads, and Booze. I'm your host, Jamie Bennett, and today my guest is Monica. Woohoo! Hello! The book that we have picked for our discussion today is by Brene Brown. It's called Braving the Wilderness. I have a slight addiction to self help books. And Braving the Wilderness is probably my favorite self-help book that I've read. (laughs) Yeah, I love Brene Brown. Thanks to you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for picking this one. Uh, It's a fairly short read from uh, the beginning of the book to the index. It says 181 pages. There are seven chapters. And uh, I think we should just maybe go chapter by chapter. Sure. So... Chapter one is entitled Everywhere and Nowhere. And I believe this is the chapter where she uh, talks about Maya Angelou meeting Maya Angelou on Oprah and that being both good and bad. And Yeah. Did you want me to go ahead and read the quote that she talks about her... Um, so the quote that Maya Angelou said that she said... Brene Brown said, you know, as much as she loved this woman, this quote she didn't quite get. And it made her angry that that they disagreed on this subject. And she said, you are only free when you realize you belong no place. You belong every place. No place at all. The price is high. The reward is great. And so in the chapter, she talks about how belonging was very important to her as a young adult and um so she couldn't quite understand that that the belonging no place she's like no I don't get it (laughs) I I really uh loved her struggle with that I loved how she's like my Angelo no (laughs) 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 and I think that's something that a lot of teenagers do struggle with is the sense of belonging and that definitely leads into the difference between fitting in and belonging which I think you know it's very easy to confuse those two there's like a slight nuance of a difference unless you really think about it which I didn't really before I read this book no no and when she talked about kids who said they felt like they didn't belong at home my heart was crushed I was like oh I know I I feel that that's the worst feeling that anyone could have is not feeling that you belong at home yeah and I think that with going with fitting in it's easy to fit in you just look at what the other people around you are doing and you try to copy them but it's always seen as copying as inauthentic it's really hard to put your authentic self out there because when you put your authentic self out and you still don't fit in then that's like a personal rejection (laughs) but I guess it's not worth it to fit in if you're not being yourself because it's not real and that's where that disconnection comes from and I think a lot of kids and adults too feel that with their friends and their peer groups like Nobody really knows me or sees me for who I am. But a lot of times that's our own fault because we put those walls up with other people. Right. And Brene talks a lot about being seen and who's seen her and how 
you know, she came to the Braving the Wilderness title and what that meant and what braving means. And it started with her having a, a TED Talk and the TED Talk going on YouTube and then uh, her family saying, don't read the comments. And she's like, I read the comments <laughs> and then I was devastated. And then she was watching Down Abbey and eating like peanut butter and ice cream. And I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that's how it went down. So then she was like, oh, I wonder who the president was when Down Abbey was going on. And it was uh, Teddy Roosevelt, I believe. And that's... Uh, his quote about being in the arena. Do you have that quote? I don't have that quote. Oh, I'm not sure I have the quote either. It's we have somewhere. about 50 bookmarks hanging <laughs> out of this book. We, we have all these tabs. They're like, oh, I love this part of the book. Oh, and this part of the book was amazing. And oh, I love, I love this. But uh, basically what it says, uh, unless I can find the quote later and I'll let you know, is that... Unless you're willing to throw down in the arena and put your face in it and put your blood, sweat, and tears and are willing to fight the fight, I don't care what you have to say. Right. And that is a brave thing to do. Because, let's face it, if you're around a group of people and you don't agree with what they're talking about, it's really easy to not want that criticism or that rejection. And that's easier for some people than other people. And she talks a little bit about codependency, um, although I don't think she really named it as that. But in this beginning part, one of the things that she said was when she was younger, you know, this fitting in was so important to her that she found that she studied people at a young age. She studied people, looked at their patterns, the connections. She could recognize patterns in people's behavior and connect those patterns to what people were feeling and doing so that, you know, she could get approval and make the situation go smoothly. And so I think that that putting yourself out there for people who need that approval, who look for the patterns and what other people are doing, sometimes consciously, sometimes subconsciously. So if you're not even aware that you're doing it, it wouldn't even occur to you to disagree with, you know, with the group that's around you. Standing out like that is like a threat to your survival. <laughs> it's like panic attack inducing. <laughs> and yeah. In the chapter two, the quest for belonging, she talks about how to go about braving the wilderness and, and what this means and the quest for true belonging. And she has uh, some guidelines for it. So uh, the first thing that she says is that uh, of the four elements, feels like there's a paradox and it's going to challenge us. But number one, people are hard to hate up close, move in. And I find that 100% true every time. This quote uh, actually is what I took away from the book. Yeah. Like the best, best quote in the book. It's like you uh, say you're a really conservative person and you think that you hate liberals. Uh, find the liberal. Hug a liberal. Yeah. But you'll, you'll find out that you have more in common that you thought you would. Mm -hmm. And that it's really hard to hate somebody when you know someone just like the stereotype that you think that you hate. And uh, the second one was... 
speak truth to bullshit, be civil. So you can't, you know. And that's more difficult than it sounds, you know, being reactionary when somebody is saying something that you viscerally disagree with. You want to just dish it back to them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One of my favorite ones is number three, hold hands with strangers. I'm like, oh, I, like, in my heart of hearts, I want to be one of those people that walks up and, like, hugs random people and, and, like, shakes their hand and, like, let's hold hands and go for a walk. And then, but, like, when I go out there to, like, real people, I'm just sort of like, oh, that's, that's a little scary. I, and I know people who do that, who are like friends of everyone, even people they've never met, and it's very enviable. Uh, and then uh, number four is strong back, soft front, wild heart. And uh, that is another chapter that we'll get into, but uh, it's part of how she suggests to be authentic. You have to have a strong back. You have to have your values solidly founded. You have to believe what you believe and are willing to stand up for those beliefs and not be wishy-washy about it. And you have to be willing to be punched in the gut about it. And you have to be willing to, you know, hold your back straight while the front of you is being like slaughtered and then have this wild heart to go out and do it again. And putting up the armor out front is kind of defeats the purpose. You can't keep people at arm's length if you want to be authentic I guess yes and I also really took back uh when I read about this book I remembered her brave wilderness checklist so it's our uh, braving sorry uh and she has used this braving checklist for several different things and the one uh for trusting others as your braving skills, I, uh, I thought this, this is something that's important and I wanted to talk about. So, um, for B for the brave, it was boundaries. You respect my boundaries. And when you're not clear about what's okay and what's not okay, you ask and you're willing to say no. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> and that is so hard for some people, me being one of them. I have the boundaries of a jellyfish, honestly. <laughs> like, if you, you know, and it's really difficult when you're with two people who want different things from you and you have no boundaries, then you have to decide which person you're going to disappoint and which person you're not going to disappoint. So, see, no boundaries don't work. <laughs> it's not authentic. You're never going to make everybody happy, but sometimes it gets to be a habit. <laughs> right, right. And willing to say no is really hard for women especially i agree uh so many women you know somebody asks can you do this and instead of saying no i don't have time for that no i can't make that commitment no i if i tried to do that i know that my quality wouldn't be there they're just like sure okay or even or, to say i'll think about it uh, rather than yes that's even difficult to do <laughs> we are we want to please and we want to be helpful especially with our families mm-hmm. especially at work you you want to be seen as a helper in the workplace you don't want to see be seen as somebody who's difficult who's hard to work with who's not willing to do extra things to help along uh reliability uh you'll do what you'll say you're you'll do and i mean honestly those are the sorts of friends that we want to have right and accountability is when you make a mistake apologize and make events and then the vault. Ah, yes, the vault. This is probably one of my more struggles is 
don't share information or experiences that are not yours to share. I, growing up in our family and my family, my mom, they, they like to tell tales. They like to, to share stories. And sometimes those stories are positive and sometimes they're not. But, you know, sometimes that story is for that person to tell and not you to be able to tell their story. Yeah, that's a tough one. And then uh, integrity, choose your courage over comfort, uh, which uh, can be a big struggle for a lot of people. And not judgmental. Oh, non judgmental. I can ask for what I need, and you can ask for what you need, and we can talk about how we feel without judging. Yeah, if only the human race could not be judgmental, that would be. Yeah, like every man I've ever dated, like, oh, God, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally judging your uh, choices there. Okay. And then uh, generosity. The G, you extend the most generous interpretation possible to the intentions, words, and actions of others. And sometimes I think we really need to do that for ourselves. Like, ooh, that was probably not a good choice to have cherry pie and a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely, the braving is a good way to look at your actions to see if you're going to be authentic in your responses to people but it's difficult to do unless you have that awareness all the time of what you're saying like for example the vault if you're sitting and chatting with some friends and oh did you hear about blah 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 you know it's really easy to get carried away and wanting that attention and approval from somebody else and you know you won't tell anybody will you and they may not but that's really not a good thing to do and we know that because we feel bad when we do it you know it may feel good at the time and I think she talks about that in the book sitting around gossiping with your friends might feel good uh -huh. but then afterwards you feel a little dirty <laughs> honestly <laughs> like that that right well I wouldn't want somebody to do that you know about me so right right when you hear it come around and somebody's telling your story your reaction is like, oh, that's probably how other people feel. Yeah. Oh, I can hear my kids, so sorry, podcast listeners. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we have booze on the podcast, which that today is. I'll tell you about what we're drinking. Oh, yes, please. We have Irish cream martinis. Oh, they're so delicious. They are pretty delicious. They're chocolate-lined glasses, and I made the martini with vanilla vodka and Irish cream, and instead of regular ice cubes, we use coffee ice cubes. <coughs> Shake it up until it's frozen, frozen cold, and it's like a mocha <coughs> chocolate milk. It's wonderful. It is the best chocolate milk I have ever had. <laughs> mm. So back to the book in uh, chapter three is High Lonesome, A Spiritual Crisis. Yeah, that... The High Lonesome, she's talking about a type of music, bluegrass tradition, and it goes back um, to, and I won't say their names or anything like that, but it's about this cry, this loud-pitched keening of these World War I veterans coming home as they walked along the tracks, 
And these weary soldiers would sometimes let out long hollers, loud, high-pitched, bone-chilling hollers of pain and freedom that cut through the air like the blare of a siren. Isn't that a great quote from the book? I mean, you can actually almost hear it without ever having heard it. Right. And that feeling, that feeling that it invokes is like, like that pit of your stomach feeling. And I think that we can relate to that just as the race of human beings. <laughs> like, at some point in our life, we've wanted to make that sound. Right. Uh, and she, she talks about spirituality in the book as well. And her definition uh, is what she did the research on in The Gifts of Imperfection, uh, another book that she wrote. She defines spirituality and she redefines it or rewrites it in this book as well. And spirituality is recognizing and celebrating that we are all inextricably connected to each other by a power greater than all of us and that our connection to that power and to one another is grounded in love and compassion. And I was like, Oh, if only we could live that way. If only we could live that way. And I do think that that's true. I do believe that we are all one and that even the worst possible person that you think you can imagine is all just a reflection of a little piece. We have a little piece of everyone inside of ourselves. And so getting to understand, say, what brings the worst criminal to their actions, instead of just judging, we don't judge, we try to not agree with, not saying that it doesn't deserve punishment of some kind, but to understand and to see that other human being because we are all connected. Um, I think that would go a long way to bringing us all closer together, instead of we really have become a separated species. Yes, yes. Uh, the political environment in our culture right now is very us against them. It's very, uh, I watched her uh, Netflix show, and she. I think she said something along the lines of like, it's like Star Wars. You're either with us or you're against us. <laughs> right, and I'm definitely much more Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> we accept everyone. <laughs> Come join the Federation. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Brene Brown is also a shame researcher. And she talks a lot about shame in her previous books. And a lot of shame comes from fear and anger. And she does talk about fear and anger in the book as well. And how those reactions are what start so much of the problems that we have is this feeling of shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of not being good enough, of not doing enough. And it makes us defensive, really, honestly. And it can, and the authenticity comes in when you can say to somebody, what you just said to me makes me feel terrible. It makes me feel like you think I'm a bad person. And the other person might say, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? I did not mean it that way. But we make up stories inside of our head about what others think of us and about not being good enough. And sometimes if we just put it out there to be resolved, then it definitely works out a lot better than 
making up scenarios, worst case scenarios usually in our own minds. Totally the worst case scenario. Yeah. As humans, we are biological creatures for thousands and thousands of years. We have survived in a wild and crazy environment, and our brains needed to know what was going on. Well, and I think she talked about how we are a social species. We are hardwired to need that connection. We are, and our brain also needs a story. If I see something that I deem may be dangerous, I need to figure out if it's dangerous right away or not. Is it going to eat me? Is it going to hurt me? Am I, am, am I in danger? So when our brains don't have all the information, we make up a story, and that story could be, you know, using the best intentions. Oh, that person's probably having a bad day. Maybe their mom's sick or something like that. Or it could be the worst case scenario. I'm really ugly, and they hate me. <laughs> with right. with uh, our society's stereotypes, women always, it's body image. Yeah. And with men, it's always strength. Like, oh, he's a weak guy. He's not strong enough. He's not good enough. And yeah, that that that's just using stereotypes and shortcuts from our brain, and we have to think beyond that. And it sounds so easy to say. Well, just yeah, ask. Just, you know, just just put it out there. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> that makes me feel upset, and I'm not happy about this. And I can't believe that you would say that right now. Yeah. Uh, probably not (laughs) I think one of the things that I've learned is I'm really hard on myself but so maybe I wouldn't want to say that hey that hurt my feelings you made me feel terrible but if I really think about it if somebody said that to me I would want to know if I hurt somebody's feelings like I obviously wouldn't do it intentionally so if somebody else said that to me I wouldn't feel mad at them you know what I mean right so it's like maybe we have to use these standards that we use for our friends and other people and treat ourselves that kindly as well. <laughs> Completely agree. hundred yeah. percent. Some, sometimes, uh, things that our friends would make a mistake for, we were like, Oh, that's okay. People make mistakes. It's all right. You know, like you do it and you're like, Oh, I'm the worst mom in the yeah. world. It's like four days shame spiral <laughs> <laughs> and way too many coffee martinis. <laughs> In the chapter, People Are Hard to Hate, Close Up, Move In, she lists uh, several things under the subject, The Courage to Embrace Our Humanity. And uh, there's five of them, and I'll read you a couple of them. And uh, they, they really had like a reaction for me when I read them the first time. So it says, <clears throat> number one, you're offended or hurt when you hear Hillary Clinton or Maxine Waters called bitch, whore, or the C-word, you should be equally offended and hurt when you hear those same words used to describe Ivanka Trump, Kellyanne Conway, or Theresa May. <laughs> yeah. Word. Uh, number two. If you feel belittled when Hillary Clinton called Trump supporters a basket of deplorables, you should have felt equally concerned when Eric Trump said Democrats aren't even human. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think the thing with this is, so yes, I do get those kind of reactions. Um, We can become very polarized as people. But I think that if we look at it 
if we take the extremities out, if we take the extreme hate out, because there's extreme hate on both ends just for being different than what you believe in. I think normal people can have, well, I don't want to say normal people. I think people can have differing opinions. It just is about how you present yourself. Kind of like how she, you know, how she says to, to you know, be um, respectful. Right. You've got to be respectful and have debate. That's what our country is all about. <laughs> well, in these examples, what's going on is that people are using rhetoric to promote dehumanizing. Mm -hmm. And I, I read a whole other book about dehumanizing, how it started. Well, not really how it started. Uh, but beginning from like a thousand years ago dehumanizing in the western world western history how it's been used how people systematically use violence and words and the process of what they do to reduce people to put those others out there to take away their rights strip away their things and what Brene Brown is really saying is that never is dehumanizing acceptable that if you think it's okay to dehumanize one group not this group no it should always just be dehumanizing is not acceptable. Especially because her definition of spirituality is we are all one. Right. So you can't dehumanize a group of people without dehumanizing yourself. Yes, yes, yes. People are people. Mm -hmm. The DNA shows we're all humans. <laughs> However, you know, socially, that's not the case. And uh, dehumanizing has been an effective tool used against segments of the population all over the world, all throughout history. And so that comes down to also is if we pay attention to what we're hearing, instead of getting swept up in the messages that are pounded at us through television and, you know, songs and everything we hear, to really think about, is this something that I do believe? Is this loving? Right. Is this right. inclusive? Is this kind? Well, how would I feel if somebody said that about my group of people? You know, and so that awareness and understanding can help us pick out those control mechanisms that are coming at us to the little others, honestly. Yes, uh, and we want to try to understand other people, see them not necessarily agreeing with them or finding their behavior acceptable, but just having an understanding. Which is what we all want from other people too. Yeah. That's that sense of true belonging. That's not fitting in, that's belonging. Right, uh, ideal relationship, uh, man would not fix things, man would just listen to woman complain. <laughs> woman would feel heard and understood and like, her emotions validate a woman would be happy man would be like oh, all right <laughs> he's like can I have a burger now <laughs> uh, she does have a definition for civility uh, which I believe it's from the uh, Institute for civility in government and uh, I believe it was written by Cassandra Dahanka I have no idea how to say that. And Thomas Bath. Uh, why did I pick a quote written by people whose names I can't <laughs> I can't say. I have no idea. Must be a good quote. <laughs> Must be. 
Civility is claiming and caring for one's identity, needs, and beliefs without degrading someone else's in the process, dot, dot, dot. Civility is about disagreeing without disrespect, seeking common ground as a starting point for dialogue about differences, listening past one's preconceptions, and teaching others to do the same. Civility is the hard work of staying present, even with those whom we have deep-rooted and fierce disagreements. It's political in the sense that it's a necessary prerequisite for civil action, but it's also political too in the sense that it's about negotiating interpersonal power such that everyone's voice is heard and nobody's is ignored. Yeah, that sounds like a lost art in uh, today's especially political arena. Right, so I... I mean, we go right for the name-calling, let's be honest. Yes, yes. I, I felt that quote was so on topic of where we're at, uh, of, of having a civil disagreement, being civil, s- seeing the bullshit and saying, no, bullshit, but being respectful. Right. Which because is sometimes, so hard. people, <laughs> you don't know what you don't know. You may be buying into something, you may have bought into the hype, and you aren't aware that this is maybe something that you don't agree with. Sometimes you need a, okay, stop. (laughs) Let's really think about this. And you can't get somebody to think about their position if you're calling them names. No, they're they're (laughs) just going to be defensive. Exactly. They're not going to listen to anything that you have to say. They're not going to look at your point of view. Your worldview does not exist in their world and they're not willing to look at it because they don't feel respected or heard right so they're just going to be i'm behind my fence and i have my my defense up and i'm ready to throw stones yeah oh so uh the last oh wait no not the last chapter six is hold hands with strangers Uh, I have something marked here that actually brought tears to my eyes when I started to read it because I think Jamie and I can both agree Harry Potter is the best. (gasps) I have that one marked too. (laughs) I knew you did. I knew you did. And, you know, so it's about watching Harry Potter with her kids and the scene where Dumbledore is killed. This is why I had the big sigh right before I turned the page. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's so true. And, um... Yeah, so Professor McGonagall brilliantly raises her wand to the sky, right? Right. And everybody in the audience who's watching the movie, too, raises Raises their their imaginary wands to the sky. like Tears to my eyes right now. I know. And it's like, yes, we, the darkness will not get us. Right. (laughs) The face of hate and bigotry, we will stand together. We will unite against this. Yeah, that and that. I mean, when you watch that scene, it's, you know, that feeling you get when like your heart feels like it's going to crack, but it's like sadness, but also that togetherness feeling. Again, it's that solidarity, that belonging and all those different people united because of a common, a common element. Right. I, we need to look for those common elements. Yes. Common elements, Harry Potter people. Yes. Harry Potter Harry rules. Potter's the best. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
when I started reading the chapter of Holding Hands with Strangers, the first couple of stories, I like, okay, I kind of see what you're getting at, okay. But then when I read the Harry Potter one, I was like, oh, I understand. Light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> We're such nerds. <laughs> yes, I, I, I had that one bookmarked. <laughs> and then uh, the, the last chapter is uh, chapter seven, Strong Back, Soft Front. Wild Heart, and she has some uh, braving again for the strong back, and she she repeats that. I forget where I was at. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I was just um I was still thinking about Harry Potter, so I was oh. like <laughs> in a place. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we have to maintain our strong back. It's not a one-time effort. Man, is it hard to keep the front soft when there's so much hurt. <gasps> yes. Like, that's very true. So, I think a, a lot of what she explains, that paradox of how complicated it is to be a human being, I think the strong back, soft front really sums it up. You know, you've got to be tough yet open. Right. You've got to stand strong in your beliefs, but you've also got to, you also have to be able to listen and validate the opinions of other people and be willing to, you know, have your mind changed, be open to different things. Be willing to accept other people's worldview, even if it doesn't fit into your worldview. It's being able to stand up for your beliefs, but also to, to be open to being wrong. You know, all our beliefs come from somewhere. And we may meet those people out there who will question what we always 100% thought we knew was right. And now we're like, hmm. But unless you have a soft front, you're never going to be open to learning and growing. When I decided that I wanted to start a podcast, a part of me was terrified. Terrified that strangers I don't know would be listening to me and judging me. And that they would somehow, you know, get back and my life could be ruined. And <laughs> I was like, no. And I'm like, but I want to I wanna be me and I want to, you know, give out messages to the world and say about amazing books that I love and talk about my super amazing friends. And I was like, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to do this podcast, even though it's terrifying. <laughs> and I'm so glad that you did because it's something, it makes me think about all these things that I want to do. Um, and our initial reaction is think, oh, that's stupid. And, you know, I won't be good at it or whatever. But, I mean, this is fun and this is great. And we get better each time we do it. And it's valuable, it's being authentic. It's putting yourself out there, which is what we all want to do. Yes. Just have yes. to be brave enough to do it. Like Jamie. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Monica is super amazing. She has this great voice. Uh, she's like the, the rock star of the show. And in fact, my mom's like, oh, Monica should have her own podcast. I'm like, I could be her manager. And like, she could come down to my basement and just talk. And then I'll like take care of it all. And then we'll just like make tons of money off of Monica's hour. And my whole life, I'm like, I have a very deep voice for a woman. This is not good. <laughs> so that makes me feel happy. <laughs> 
Well, I hope we have time. I did have one quote marked that okay. I definitely wanted to say something about. Where she says, stop walking through the world looking for confirmation that you don't belong. You will always find it because you've made it your mission. Stop scouring people's faces for evidence that you're not enough. You will always find it because you've made that your goal. True belonging and self-worth are not goods. We don't negotiate their value with the world. The truth about who we are lives in our hearts. Our call to courage is to protect our wild hearts against constant evaluation, especially our own. No one belongs here more than you. I was oh. like, wow. Oh, yes. I think that's probably one of the best quotes in the book. That, that is so much, yes. I, I love Brene Brown. I love her books. I love her. She has two TED Talks. Super excited to see the show on Netflix. I, th- I think the Netflix show is about an hour and 15 minutes. It's mm. not super long. Uh, she does have a couple of stories from her books or her TED Talk. I, I can't remember. These are all blurred together in my mind. <laughs> I listened to her uh, narrate two of her books, so I've heard those stories in her voice. So when I hear it, I'm like, hmm, was that in the book or was that someplace else or was that both? I can't remember. I'm uh, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I'm definitely glad she decided to do the work that she's doing because I think it's something that people need to hear. I completely agree. And we highly recommend The Quest for True Belonging and the Courage to Stand Alone, Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. Yes, we do. Thank you so much, and we will see you next week.